1: Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney II, Anthony Weidel, Dan Colbert, um, and the rest of the Steelers front office is able to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond. A roster that I always like to say... Will compete for a seventh Lombardi Trophy. And of course, when I go to air, um, we're literally in a situation whereby, uh, you know, the Steelers are undefeated so far in 2022, and that's a good thing. Um, I think everyone probably, for the most part, wants to put this last week's game against the Jacksonville Jaguars behind us. We've got the Lions coming up. Cool to be able to see how they're prepping for the Steelers. Um, through Hard Knocks as well this week. So if you're not watching Hard Knocks, it's been pretty cool so far. Um, a lot of swearing though. Uh, particularly as in an Australia, and like we probably swear a bit more on our TV and through our pop culture. Um, but I'm surprised at the level of swearing, um, you know, from an American perspective that they've allowed to get through with it, but they want it all, as authentic as possible. Um, but yeah, kind of surprised to see just the sheer amount with that. But you can just see the motivation in those coaches at the same time. Um, can only imagine, imagine what it would be like, um, from the Steelers' point of view. So, uh, I, I think th- they're sort of the interesting things that, like, you know, the the backdrop, if you like, to what I want to talk about today. Before I get into today's show, though, um, you know, obviously behindsteelcurtain your one stop shop or non stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. We've got podcasts that are audio only, and then across the YouTube side, um, that air literally morning, noon, and night. Um every day of the week um we've just ha- we're about to change schedules as we get into the season as well um you know that sort of stuff's already been happening a little bit through the off season, so stay tuned for all of that um but yeah, I'm excited to come to you today on the the Wednesday noon shows. Before I get into the main part of the show to talk about four players on offense and four players on defense that I believe the Steelers are really building or have the opportunity, let's say, to build a dynasty around. And by dynasty, it's not necessarily meaning a Super Bowl every year, um, but certainly, you know, deep playoff runs. I wanted to talk about one thing that sort of popped up to me, I don't know, about uh, you know, ten hour eight to ten hours ago, as I was looking through the VTSC Slack channels and I was thinking on Twitter as well, and I was thinking about the quarterback situation right now. And we're going to talk a little bit about Kenny Pickett in today's show. And I sort of thought, Tom, think about Mike Tomlin for a second. He's kind of damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. He's kind of damned no matter what he does um, when it comes to the quarterback position and particularly when it comes to Pickett and Trubisky. Let's say, for example, he starts Trubisky week one and they lose to the Bengals. Okay, cool. You know, Bengals made a Super Bowl last year. Then they go on in a week two let's say they lose again. Suddenly they're behind two games and the pressure's on. Now, I personally think that the ideal world for them, particularly behind this O-line, is that they're going to start, you know, they're going to start Trubitsky, hopefully for a couple of games, and then, you know, bring Pickett in, particularly with his first home game of of the season. But, you know, Mike Tomlin might say, I want to give him even more time. So he's even more acclimated. Mike Tomlin might say, we need to win now. Um, So I think it's between week, weeks four and nine that you're most likely to see Pickett come into the lineup if he's going to play more than three games this year. Now, I personally, if I'm Mike Tomlin, uh, this is the only thing that's factoring in my equation right now is the O-line. Other Otherwise, to me, Kenny Pickett's won the job. I thought it was blatantly clear on the weekend. Um, now, yes, he's got to back it up again this week. Um, and, you know, that's a really important thing. But if Mike Tomlin picks and, and you know, Ryan Clark talked about this. Once you pick Kenny Pickett, you've got to give him a season unless there's an injury. You can't pull him back after that. And, and he's right in, in that regard. I, I back that. So for me, you see, I'm sitting there going, well, he's damned if he does he and damned, he's damned if he doesn't. Because let's say take takes scenario one. He starts Mitch Trubisky, right? Even if Trubisky does well halfway through the season – but the Steelers say Steelers offense is stagnating behind that O line, and people will say, Well, hang on, Kenny Pickett in the preseason was able to do things behind that O line. So suddenly, you know, and let's say they miss the playoffs by one game. Let's say they go nine and eight, but they still miss the playoffs. So the Ravens and the Bengals are ahead of them in AFC North, for example. A couple of teams in AFC West make it done. Okay. Should have started Kenny Pickett. Scenario two you start Trubisky week one. He gets injured in week two like Big Ben or any any of those early weeks. And suddenly picket's thrown in there. But because you haven't picked him, people, you know, there, there's a bit of adjustment, there's a bit of a comp- there's a little bit of a confidence barrier versus a, a picket that's coming off the see- offseason that he had, being the first quarterback drafted, or by the t- local team, hometown hero, et cetera, et cetera. So Kenny has a hard adjustment. Because you know, in game, it, it's a bigger, it's a bigger thing. It's a faster environment than training camp, even uh, and training in general, and practice. Even though he's playing one of the best defenses in the you know in the NFL, you know, in practice. you have scenario two where you do start Kenny Pickett, and he's behind that O line scrambling around and getting smacked every game, just like Najee Harris is going to do. And suddenly, you know, he's seeing ghosts and becomes Sam Darnold. You know, or he pops an injury that he shouldn't have had, and we put him to the slaughter, like Joe Burrow in year one. Struggles to bounce back, doesn't have the arm of Burrow. Let's say, I think he does, but let's just say. Well, then you have the scenario where Kenny Pickett does terrifically well, and then people are like, why did you waste money on Trubisky when you could have brought in a lineman? With the cap that you spare cap that you've got and the money you spent on Trubisky and because you guys like Mason because you haven't traded him assuming they haven't traded him and so now you're in a situation where you just wasted that money on Trubisky and everyone knows that you're going to go with Pickett so there's no real trade value for him um, or there's some trade value but it's not as high as or you know it's not as big as it was um, before you started Kenny Pickett. Well, let's say you start Kenny Pickett and you win nine and eight, but you miss the playoffs. People are like, well, what was the point when they well started Trubisky, give him Kenny a chance to sit and won three games. So I've thrown into you about five or six scenarios there, exclusively about Kenny Pickett and, and Trubisky and the few surrounds of it. But what can you gather from all of that? What you can gather from all of that is that Tomlin's in a no-win situation. Here. You know, the only thing that's going to win for Tomlin is if they can win a playoff game. Uh, you know, and Kenny Pickett looks good no matter where it went, how much he plays. They're the two scenarios, and that is still why I think they will start Trubisky, even if Kenny wins this weekend because and it goes back to that O line. But you got to feel for Tomlin because Tomlin can't win out of this. Now, he can't win from the media and the hype and the fan perspective, but he will win from this because he cares about winning he is a winner there's no losing seasons so he will be a winner on paper but in everyone else's eyes he won't be the winner and that's why this is one of the this is one of those things that you just Tomlin battles through this all the time it's like Big Ben oh you know Mike Tomlin wins because of Big Ben okay but what about Big Ben that wins because of Tomlin and what Tomlin does to motivate everyone around him huh like you know it's it's this sort of scenario or Tomlin Tomlin you know, couldn't make the most of the 2017 offense. Okay, cool. But at the same time, then you blame him for not coaching, for not, not having the defense. Oh, well, you know, he didn't coach those defensive backs. That's where his roots are from Tampa Bay. Okay, cool. But they're investing so much money at the position with Big Ben Roethlisberger. What about that? You know, and, and so these are the things that I think, and yes, and yes, in fairness, every NFL coach has to go through that. But I don't know NFL coach maybe Dallas Cowboys, maybe, you know, in their own hometown environment and certain media markets in America, but no coach in the NFL has the fan base and the media scrutiny than that of the Pittsburgh Steelers, not even the Patriots, because Belichick doesn't even give you a a shot in hell at it. Um, He just gives you one word answers and people have given up, right? They've They've kind of given up and they turn their attention to Mike Tomlin. Um, and, and Mike Tomlin becomes a victim of his own success. Not that he's a victim because he's comfortable in the uncomfortable. Um, but, and this is why I think it's cool that he's got this battle. It's cool that we get to see him make a decision with Kenny Pickett, but this is leadership. Um, and this is something that I think all pro college, high school, any level of coaching can learn from this experience about trusting your gut. Um, and forgetting what everyone on the outside says and just going through your process because in the, the day it's his ass on the line. Um, so I know I've talked a little bit there about Tomlin, but I just, it's just struck me with this. And I was really talking about the, you know, uh, meat and the sandwich that Tomlin's become in this. Um, and it's, it's very easy for people to go, well, I don't like the taste of that meat, um, you know, very quickly depending on how crusty or moldy or soft or um, that the bread is around it. Do uh, you continue that analogy? So now anyway, to, back to the premise of today's show. And so what I wanted to do is I talked about dynasty in the title. Um, If anyone title we you know ends up being put together by bad, but versus the draft title that I you know that I submitted, Um, hopefully it stays the same. And so I've looked at the Steelers roster and found four players on offense and defense that I believe four on each that I believe can be the difference maker um, for these for this Steelers team. Now you heard some of these names before, but I, I think the Steelers can build around these guys. And so the first one is going to be Kenny Pickett. He was. PFN's consensus um second qu- top quarterback in the draft, an overall player rank of 29 behind Malik Willis at 24, uh, you know, from that perspective. He was a player that some people was the number one or the most ready to go, but everyone liked the development, you know, of Malik Willis. Well, Malik Willis wasn't taken until round three, so and a lot of teams had a chance to draft him that still needed a quarterback. He's six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds, good athlete. Um, you know, 2021 completed almost over 67% of his passes, four, almost 4,500 yards, average of 8.7, 42 TDs, 42 TDs to seven interceptions. That's a six-to-one ratio. Um, five rush TDs, two, almost 250 rushing yards with 241. Career, he had 1,045 completions from 1674 attempts through a college career average of 63%, 12, over 12,000 yards, average of 73 81 TDs to 32 interceptions. I think Ben was 84-34 off the top of my head um, in college. So, you know, it's actually pretty close. Um, You know, the negatives were... These were the negatives. Listen to these negatives for Um, PFM. It's consensus across, I think, five different scouts, including Tony Pauline, who Jeff Hartman had on the week before the draft. Negatives they cited. Pickett's general feeling poise in the pocket could be more consistent. I think it showed that this offseason um, or preseason. There are times when Pickett bails clean pockets so that he can step up into creating unnecessary chaos. We haven't seen that. Look how he kept his calm and took the knee when that sweep didn't work on the weekend. He knew the play. He knew what had to happen. And he had the foresight to see that instead of getting sacked, he's better to take the ne- take the knee down and instead of copying the hit when it wasn't working. Pickett needs to work to improve at working the pocket and staying in structure. Now, I think he's stayed in structure really well through what he's shown in the preseason so far and from the snippets I've seen from training camp. But that is going to be a hard thing for him to do and he might be forced back into some negative habits here if the O-line doesn't get together this this season, right? Um, Negatives, he also still fades back occasionally and can be more consistent stepping into his throws to generate maximum momentum. I think you're seeing this. Um, Pickett can also occasionally display a degree of arm arrogance his arm is not quite elite and his velocity doesn't always drive as well into the deep range. Fine. But I think the air of comfortability with Pickett, and you've seen the short throws, you saw sort the of hitch route to Pickens on the weekend, you're seeing things from him that demonstrate that he's understanding who he's playing with. He's understanding that offense, and you've not seen a deep ball yet. Maybe the Steelers feed into this. Everyone wants to see, say, when is Kenny going to launch it down the field? But if this is about him acclimating and showing that he can is capable of starting Week One, even if you you're hamstrung from doing that because of the O line, you're showing maturity and development. Mac Jones did that and had a very good season last year. Patrick Mahomes didn't do that to start the season, and he he struggled the first six through the first six games last year. And so, building on that with Pickett, as I said, we talked about 12,000 yards. I think he I think he's the real deal for this Steelers team. I don't think the concern about starting him this season to kick off his role in creating Steelers dynasty for the next 8, 10, 12 years is less about Kenny Pickett being ready. And clearly, from everything I've said in the first 10, 15 minutes of this show, it's about the O-line. That's what it's about. So, you know, Kenny Pickett, I do believe, um, you know, this is, I believe we've been able to find our next franchise quarterback. That seems might be very early to say, but I'm willing to hang my hat on it. Um, I was quiet through the whole draft and offseason about Kenny Pickett. The only time I've really talked about Kenny Pickett was in like week one or two of last year when I compared him to Sam Hartman, who stayed back at Wake Forest, who's going around again. Um, because Kenny Pickett had such a good start to the year, and I put that in context with another quarterback from the Wake Forest, a less a lesser popular or less watched school, if you like. But I love Kenny Pickett. I just didn't think we were going to be in the mix for him. You know, I thought he would be taken in the top 10-12. Um, now one other thing I wanted to mention before we move on to the next player. This could be a longer podcast than usual, guys. Um, is I had a look at all quarterbacks taken, all quarterbacks taken after pick 15 in the NFL draft, going back to nineteen thirty-six, I did the calculation and looked at the their and, and sorted them by record. So who had the best record and where were they taken? Um now this was rounds. One only round one, so from 15 to 32. The best quarterback is Jim, Jim Drunken Miller, um, who played in San Francisco in 1997, 1998. Now, he only played one game, so that he won one, played one, done out of Virginia Tech. The next best quarterback is Lamar Jackson, round one, pick 32. Aaron Rodgers, pick, pick round one, pick 24. Now, remember, Lamar Jackson hasn't even played 50 games yet for context, right? And drafted at 21. Aaron Rodgers drafted at 21. He's next. Then goes Dan Marino, who's a Hall of Famer. The only Hall of Famer, yep, in this list um, of quarterbacks taken after pick 15 in the draft, but still taken in round one. You know, you've got other, obviously, you're going to have guys like, you know, Brady's not there yet, but he was drafted in round six. I'm just talking about round one guys that were not draft in the top 15. Then you got Mac Jones, 10 and 7, at 23 years old. Now, Kenny Pickett's 24. Um, so, you know, that, he's a bit older. Then you go Joe Flacco, 23, Tim Tebow. Sorry, go Mac Jones, Tim Tebow, Joe Flacco. Now, Tim Tebow only had, people well, forget this, he only had 14 starts. Um, so that, that's the situation with him there. Then you go Joe Flacco, won a Super Bowl with obviously the Baltimore Ravens, drafted in 23, 98, 98 78. Tony Eason, 28 to 23, um, you know, for New England. Chad Pennington, 44 37 in New Jersey, uh, New York Jets. one well, I say New Jersey Jets, Exclusive New Jersey Devil abbreviation. Um, <laughs> Mark Wilson, quarterback out of Oakland from 1980 to 1990. Uh, Rex Grossman, then you go Teddy Bridgewater, um, And then, yeah, that's, you know, and you go all the way down. Like, so that's your top 12. And then Martin Malone's there at number 19, 23 and 30. So, with that, basically what you can see is Kenny Pickett might have to go against history in one of two ways. Number one, um, Aaron Rodgers and Dan Marino, while they were, so Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Dan Marino, um, and Matt, and Tim, and Joe, let's call it Joe Flacco. Were all sorry. Let me restart. Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Dan Marino were all taken after pick number twenty in the NFL draft. From that perspective, but they were younger. They were all twenty-one years old. Now Mac Jones was twenty-three. He was taken at pick fifteen. Joe Flacco was taken eighteen. He was twenty-three. Tebow was twenty-three. Um, Pennington was twenty-four. So Penning Chad Pennington's. Almost there is like the most closest picks. Rex Grossman was 23. Um, He was taken at 22. Uh, So, you know, you've not really... So, as I say, Kenny Pickett's going to have to break the mold there for him to be drafted. Uh, sorry, for him to be that dynasty. But he's capable of doing it. I mean, let's go to Dan Marino, taken out of Pittsburgh. Um, and also, I think Pickett had the year in college of what being a backup number two would have been like in Pittsburgh, but he did against competition where he could build confidence. And that's I think that confidence is really important in a player like him. He showed he could believe it. I've talked numerous times in this off-season through the draft process about how he got invited to the senior bowl, said no last year, last year the recent senior bowl, said no, and then went back to college for another year. Um, really important thing to know from that perspective uh, in terms of what... um he can he can do there and what he can do with um you know in terms of making the Steelers better and and cementing that spot at the quarterback position. The next offensive player that I want to talk about is George Pickens. Now George Pickens um someone that's let it up in this offseason oh this preseason so far someone that's got a lot of height even being potentially a draft rookie um so he's obviously a draft rookie but rookie of the year candidate um a guy that had 13 yards in college, pretty much didn't get to play last year, played a handful of games, um, you know, had eight TDs in his first year, six TDs in his next year, no TDs last year, but he pretty much, as I say, didn't really play. Um, average, you know, has been a minimum of 14.3 in college. I mean, incredible from Pickens, but we've seen what he can do on the field. Again, I believe the Steelers can build a dynasty um an offensive from the offensive side around Pickens. If you look at the draft history in terms of going back, and and so basically I looked at every, every wide receiver, I sorted them by the most TDs they had going back, um, you know, to the history of the draft, 1936, anyone drafted from pick one through to 96. So the first 32 players in in each round, um, I didn't want to get into, you know, compensatory picks, et cetera. Uh, if you look at guys drafted in, in round two, uh, Rob Gronkowski says he's a tight end, so we'll, we'll pull him out. Isaac Bruce was drafted at 33 in the second round. Terrell Owens was is the highest pick outside of the first round, with three, at round three with um, pick 89, and he had 153 TDs. Uh, pick nine um, in round two in 1962. They, they label it that way. Um, you know, was Lance Allworth. He's in the Hall of Fame. He had 85 TDs, um, but he's not really a, um, you know, not the same wide receiver. Hines Ward, 85 TDs, not in the Hall of Fame. He's like one of the only guys, he's like the only wide receiver apart from Larry Fitzgerald who's not eligible. That's not in the Hall of Fame um, with the most TDs in terms of the highest guys drafted in the first three rounds. Ridiculous. Um, You know, this is why, another argument as to why he should be in the Hall of Fame. But he was drafted in round three, pick 92. So Pickens, Anquan Boldin. Anquan Boldin, super similar type player. Um, you know, pick number 54. Pick number 54. Round two, 82 TDs. Pickens Pickens doesn't have the history against him that Kenny Pickett has. Um, and this is why I think not just what we've seen this offseason um, and not just because he doesn't have to be that go-to guy just yet. There's Claypool, there's Deontay, Austin's going to fit in the mix, Freemuth, Harris. So it's exciting from that perspective um, when you think about what Pickens might be able to do to help Kenny Pickett lead this dynasty from an offensive perspective. That's George Pickens. That's two players on the offense. We'll get through the next two quickly, We'll take a break, then we'll bring back the defense. So then you go Patty Freemuth. This is a guy that in you know, a lot of drafts would be drafted in round one, back end of round one. If Pitts hadn't been there, he probably would have made the early 20s because contextually it would have been like he was a top tight tight end. Pitts Carl Pitts is a very taken by Atlanta was a very different type of tight end. Um he to me, Pat Freeman is getting started. Yes, everyone knows the history. I put a bet on that he would get picked. At the, out, at the end of the first round by the Steelers. I just thought it was going to happen. They needed a tight end. We'd gone through the Eric Ebon um, situation or we were going through that. It wasn't long-term. Um, he only had one fumble last year. Yes, we've had the concussion worries a little bit so far. Off ca- off the field, he looks like he's fitting in just fine. This is a guy that you can look up. This is a guy that I think enjoys playing in Pennsylvania having come from Penn State. Um, he's a guy that you want to support that with money. He's a young guy. Um you know, as well, just twenty three going into his second season, big bloke, six foot five two hundred fifty eight pounds. you want him to keep the speed, but like maybe he can put on five ten pounds and you know, like improve that blocking, but he probably doesn't need to he 's probably optimum where he is um it's it 's about technique now i'm excited for what Pickett can do with him over the middle over the over his rookie contract, and I expect him to earn a second contract with the Steelers, which is why i 'm putting him in here as these four dynasty players now, the next dynasty player. No surprise. Now, he might only play five years with the Steelers and then he might earn a big contract somewhere else. Um, But hopefully, the Steelers can find a way to keep him in Pittsburgh. And I think Najee will be realistic about this. Um, And maybe those humble beginnings, it's not taking advantage of that, but it's about saying he will understand the importance of what the Steelers are offering as a home for him. And hopefully, he wants to keep playing with Kenny Pickett. And hopefully, we don't run the wheels off this bloke. Um, But Najee Harris, I I, I don't need to sit here touting his claims. He's pretty much going to be the captain of the offense, You know, here, or at least a vice captain, if you like. Um, You know, so that's going to be really important um, from the Steelers and the maturity perspective. But it shows how mature he is at, you know, 24 and and a third, if you like, you want to use that terminology. Before I go to break, though, think about what I've said. I've labeled some skill positions: tight end, wide receiver, running back, and like quarterbacks, obviously, the most important position on the field. How disappointing is it that I can't label an offensive lineman? That's a problem. Real problem. And the Steelers have got to fix this if they want a dynasty. It needs to be the folk. They need to find something in the next couple of weeks, and they certainly need to find something next offseason, whether it's bringing someone in that's just become a big free agent or whether it's going, and going after it in the draft. I'm not saying you have to spend the first-round pick on it. But you're going to have to do something to refresh this line and relying on fourth and fifth guys to somehow come through out of nowhere is not it. And you're going to probably have to pick them, someone in the first two rounds or trade back in to get a guy. So, But I think Omar Khan gets it. Uh, and I think they'll get it really clearly after this week with Mike Tomlin. Now, I've been thinking about this for a little while. I wanted to see what it looked like through two games, but I wasn't impressed in week one about it. I just wasn't. Um, Particularly when you had Abraham Lucas, who I talked about in the draft process, um, and you saw Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, and they've done really well through two weeks with the Seahawks, and they did well against the Steelers, even though the Steelers didn't have their top guys on the front. So that's where the Steelers need to address it from offense. But join me for part two of this show. Join me after the break, and we'll get into the four defensive guys that I think the Steelers can build around. Welcome back to part two of Steelers' War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, Dan Colbert, Anthony Wytle, Art Rooney II, and the rest of the Steelers' front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond, a roster that's already won two games so far in the preseason. So the first player I'm going to talk about, I'm going to take a leap here. The Steelers, no defensive lineman. And I'm going to rule out Cameron Hayward for this. I'm going to make the challenge a bit harder for the four players on defense. Cameron Hayward can't be in there. Two, it's gone. I'm going to call it the Marvin Leal, right? I reckon the Marvin Leal is someone they can build around. They can blood him right. He's versatile. He's going to do things for this team. He's he's, he's one of my four players in the build around. He was ranked fourth out of the defensive guys behind Perry and Winfrey, Devontae, Wyatt, Jordan Davis. Wyatt and Davis were taken before him in the draft. Um, Perrin Winfrey taken a bit later. Perrin Winfrey, I think he went to the Browns. Um, Drafted 50. They ranked him overall at 52. We drafted him at 84 um, off the top of my head. A guy, though, that for a lot of the offseason, sorry, a lot of the offseason, a lot of the draft process was a top 10 pick. And here we got him in the third round. And he was a top 50 player. Now, the top... 30 to 50 in any draft is always going to have some flex. There's going to be some people that have guys in, you know, much higher up their boards and other guys are going to have them much lower. Um, you know, I, I think this guy is going to turn out to be the real deal for the Steelers or someone at least, even if he isn't the guy like Cameron Haywood, is a guy at some level for them, is going to make a difference for them. And he's someone they can build in and he could be a player for the Steelers for the next two contracts. Let's call it two contracts, if not three. um, you know, negatives, while well, they said, you know, PFN said, well, versatility is a valuable attribute. Liao's, um, NFL position projection is murky. Um, he'll need to put on weight to be a DT as an edge rusher. He lacks some of the flexibility required at the next level. Um, needs to routinely execute a better pass rush plan, putting together combinations. He struggles to disengage in blockers needing to approve his hand usage. I think you saw him start to do some stuff against Jacksonville. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited by it. He had eight and a half sacks last year, 12 and a half tackles for a loss um, you know, in college from that perspective, six four, two hundred and eighty three pounds. They have him, you know, here in PFN. I think that's a I think he pulled on some weight to start camp. He thought he needed to. I don't know where he's playing at now. Shannon, with the release of Jennard Avery, Shannon said in the BTC selection on today, he wondered whether he might play on the outside. At times, I agree in a pinch, um, or in a certain certain schemes, if you like, the big fronts. Um, particularly if the seals look at working anything 4-3 into the mix, which I could see them doing, given they don't have a clear number two backer right now with Devin Bush going off injured. Um, you know, in the 24 hours to me going live to air today with his ankle, Mark Robinson being in there at number two. Maybe you do want to play a bit of 4-3 and have TJ Watt jump back or High Smith. Um, more TJ Watt, though. You, you, they might need to do a little bit of that with Jack as the only, in, you know, middle linebacker, if you like. Um, but Leal is someone I do think we can build around, or he can be an important piece of this line going forward. He's a better prospect than Wormley, and look at what Wormley's done for us the last couple of years. The next player is TJ Watt. I don't even need to go into this deeply. I mean, this is a guy with 65 AV on pro football reference, a guy with 150 quarterback hits in five seasons, a guy with 80 tackles for a loss, 72 sacks, um, you know, four interceptions, defensive player of the year, in the top three defensive player of the year candidates for a couple of years in a row running, equaled the sack record last year and really should have beaten it apart from a stupid technicality. Um He's an all te- first team all pro three years in a row, um, seasons three, four, and five. I mean, what's more to say from it? Um, the guy is maybe one or two seasons from eating a hundred sacks. Um, you know, in the NFL records, you know, in the hundred and twenties for sacks, hundred um, forties maybe. It might be hundred forties. Um, so actually, I'll look that up. So really, you know, I mean. Yeah, you can build around this guy. We just paid him. We, we almost have to um, record career sacks. We almost have to pay him. Um, so well, he almost has to live up. If he's not, it's a bad, bad amount of money. Um, you know NFL career sack leaders. You know, you know Kevin Green, one hundred and sixty. Reggie White, one hundred ninety-eight. Bruce Smith, two hundred. Um, you know, but that's across you know eighteen years of football. He's played five and he's got seventy-two. Right? He played fifteen. He'd be 20 sacks ahead of that. He'd be 10% ahead of Bruce Smith. Um, so you know, Pepper's at 159. He he can do this. He can make the top 10 career sack leaders. We need a Super Bowl. He needs to help us get to a Super Bowl. He needs a Super Bowl to get validate his Hall of Fame. Um, but TJ Watts there. So that's two of the four on the defense. Then you got Minka Fitzpatrick. I'm famous for writing an article when Jeff had his time out that, you know, rev, you know, revved everyone up about, you know, potentially, you know, having a career as good as Ed Reed. Um, I've seen similar things this offseason about since he signed the deal. Can he live up to that? Um, you know, he's a guy with an AV of forty um, on Pro Football Reference. He's only got five tackles for a loss. Um, you know, past of, past defenses thirty six in his five um, seasons or four seasons. Sorry, um, you know, interceptions he's got thirteen. Uh, you know, but he, you know, he wasn't even allowed to do what he did well last year, which is why I didn't make the, you know, the first team all pro. Um, because he had to basically play, you know, s- safety, strong safety slash linebacker at times to be able to stop the run behind an awful Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, defensive front. Um, without him, the Steelers aren't in the playoffs. The hit that he did against the Ravens to force that ball loose from an incompletion. Um, you know, Mink is, Mink is that. that they You don't pay him and TJ Watt without thinking that he's going to be part of this dynasty long term. You just don't. Um, but here's where it gets interesting. The fourth player, because I had four players on offense and hit four players on defense. The fourth player, I'm kind of, it's a split decision for me right now. And it kind of depends who they're going to pay. It could be Terrell Edmonds. Or it could be Alex Highsmith. And I think it really, you know, this is an interesting one. And people say, well, hang on, they didn't even want to offer, you know, Terrell Edmonds' fifth-year option. No, but he wasn't worth that contract. And number two, people are like, well, then they let him test for agency. Fine, and he came back. Well, he came here. Look, we got Ryan Clark after he'd gone through wasn't it, two teams. Um, and we turned him into something. That was talked about on the Pivot podcast with Mike Tomlin, that famous Pivot podcaster in the off-season. And so with Terrell Edmonds, like you got a guy here that's lived up to the hype. I've talked about how he's ahead on the AV um, technically aware of where a first round safety averages that's drafted um between 2013 and 2019. You know, he he he's done well. Imagine if he took a cheap deal to play alongside Minka and you had him another four or five years, and in that time stills make an AFC championship game, maybe even a Super Bowl. You could qualify him as part of that dynasty. But at the same time, they might I I and this is why I picked these two players. I think one of these guys stays and one of these guys goes, but Alex Highsmith could command a bit of money now, you know, through his contract. Now I know they're not coming off contract at the same time, but they're the sort of guys that are going to fight for outside of that top that top tier money. Um, you know, Alex Highsmith has eight sacks so far. He's someone that could comp- he, he could now we thought he like, I thought he'd get eight sacks last year alone. If he can get another six or eight this year. He's someone that will command a bit of money. The Steelers need someone on the other side to sort of balance out the weight a little bit in terms of production and, and sack, sacks and getting open on that side. They could go and draft and spend a high draft pick on it, but I think they're going to have to shore up this offense for Kenny Pickett to win them some games with the offensive line picks. It might be cheaper to keep a proven guy like Highsmith. It's a position where you learn some tricks of the trade. The NFL is very different to college in that. Um, and so this is the thing that I think now to both of these players, could be these dynasty players. But I think out of these guys, one of these guys is going to be the guy that you see actually perform over the next four or five years for this Steelers team. Um, Maybe three, maybe three seasons after this one, maybe we'll call it that, Um, you know, and help them get them, you know, to an AFC championship. Not necessarily a Super Bowl, but I'm saying dynasty starts with winning a bunch of games more than they have so far and going deep into the playoffs and at least making an AFC championship game. Because you can't make a Super Bowl if you don't make an AFC championship game. Um, so this is what's really interesting, but Terrell Edmonds as well. He's only 25, 24 this year going, you know, about to turn 25. Okay, sorry, he's just turned 25. I lie. So it'd be 25, turning 20, 26 this during the season. Alex Highsmith, he is 20, just turned 25, 17 days ago, August 7th. So you've got two guys here that if they're playing on the fourth, fifth in Pittsburgh in the early 30s, they're here for the dynasty. You know, you could sign Alex Highsmith to a six-year deal. I don't know whether you'd want on if it was super team-friendly with lots of opt-outs and, you know, you're spreading – you're guaranteeing more of the contract and spreading it out. But you could do that. I I think you'll sign something like a four- or five-year extension, um, to be honest. But you could do that and then you shore it up. Um, You know, so this is the thing. I think we do have this core. But, again, think about two positions I didn't talk about here. I didn't get to talk about, I, talk, I pulled one guy who was a draft pick this year, who I do think will do well. I didn't let myself pick Alola Haywood because they're toward the end of the career. There's no other young guy on the line. I'm 50-50 on Highsmith. And there's no cornerback. And there's no middle linebacker. And middle linebacker is a vital position in a 3-4 defense. That's a problem. So I guess to wrap up this context, Yes, I definitely think the Steelers, and you look at the drafts that we've had over the last, since 2017, basically, we've got guys that have made massive contributions. But the Steelers, the challenge for them in building a dynasty going forward, the challenge for Omar Khan, that he's going to, that's going to define how well his time as GM, or at least the early years of his time as GM, or the first decade as GM, and, you know, whether Kenny Pickett was a success from, between him and Colbert. And he could advocate for that. If you saw his interview with Pat McAfee, it's interesting on that one. Um, if you read between the lines, you know, but, you know, even Willis versus Pickett, but um, potentially. But he's got to find himself a top quality cornerback. He's got to find himself another quality defensive lineman. He's got to find himself a linebacker, and he has to find himself a good tackle and a, and a damn good guard for this team to be successful. So that's the challenge. And that's what I'm going to be really looking at those positions, particularly as we go through the draft process, starting where well, I start previewing guys from week one of the season um, on this show, because we're about team building. We're about, you know, winning over multiple years. But with that, that's this week. Steals warm. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, we seem to be pretty passionate about this stuff as always. Um, and go Steelers.
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void where prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.